You're listening to a Weeby Geeks Network podcast. Another world. Another time. In the age of wonder. There was once a dream. You could only whisper it. Anything more than a whisper, and it would vanish. A battle between good and evil. You don't know the power of the dark side. Where shall I find a new adversary so close to my own level? Try the local sewer. You know of the rebellion against the Empire? The Avengers, Earth's mightiest heroes. Peace means having a bigger stick than the other guy. One of these days, I'm going to have a stick of my own. I'm Groot. Welcome to the Neverland Podcast. The podcast for lovers of Disney, Pixar, Marvel, and Star Wars. I'm glad you're here to tell us these things. Please welcome your host, Jeremy. I thought he'd be taller. Yeah, I can find All it takes is faith and trust. Well, if it isn't the Star Spangled Man with a plan, what is your plan today? Up to Neverland! <laughs> Take your pixie out of your pocket, Neverlanders. Sprinkle some pixie dust around. Think of that happiest thought and let's fly away to Neverland. Come along with me, your spider pan, head lost boy, Jeremy. And of course, your host here at the Neverland podcast. I have a lot of fun in store for you. Uh, for not only just today, but even for the rest of the month. We're continuing our series on story and how Walt Disney would tell a story. And for the next three weeks, I've had a nice, good, long conversation with Paul Berry of A Window to the Magic and Jedi Schwa of Techno Retro Dads and several other shows. We talked for an hour and a half about how Disney tells story in the parks, particularly in the Magic Kingdom. We could have gone on and on with some of the other parks, but we focused on the Magic Kingdom. I talked for them for a good long time, though, and I'm going to cut this up into half-hour segments, and we're going to share it for the next three weeks to continue our series on story in June. I think this has been a wonderful series. I've had a good time having these conversations. I think you're enjoying it. I'm hoping you're enjoying it, but I think you're going to enjoy what we have for the next three weeks. But of course, that's not the only thing going on because a certain incredible movie has opened now this weekend, and I have that review coming for you. Not to mention, I got a couple more trailers. One we didn't get to last week with all those other trailers, and one that I didn't even know was coming, a little teaser. Well, that pretty much covers what we need to get into, and I have a lot to do and a lot to share with you, so I just want to dive right in and get started. So let's go with a little bit of news from around Neverland. Spanning the Disney and Geek Universe to bring you the best in comics, toys, movies, and entertainment. This is news from around Neverland. Alright, now we have some interesting things happening on, and I guess I gotta report some, uh, some bad news first. John Lasseter is going to stick around as a, sort of an advising, consulting role with the Disney company until about the end of the year, and then he's gone permanently. This, of course, is follow-up to 
apparently he's got a bit of a problem of where he will drink a little too much and has, as John Lasseter has said, a few unspecified missteps that he made some staff members feel disrespected and uncomfortable. Uh, he's been uh, known to have some lengthy bear hugs and a little bit huggy, but apparently when he's had a little bit of alcohol, he might be taking things a little too far, saying things about people's physical attributes, uh, a little bit of grabbing, a little kissing. It's not appropriate to do. So it's probably for the best that he just goes ahead and steps down. I'm not sure what he's going to do from this point. You know, that, that'll kind of get you blacklisted in Hollywood with a quickness. So... You know, he's got his own winery, but I think maybe he needs to stay away from the, the wine because apparently that's getting him into trouble as well. Uh, so it's really sad that how this has kind of concluded and that uh, he's had this problem. Uh, he's been a great creative force and his name was still even tied to Incredibles 2. So I mean, he's got a lot of great work that he has done and we've appreciated what he's done. But uh, I'm sure a lot of people really do not appreciate his behavior uh, so I really hope he works on that and uh, gets away from those problems because that is not cool. All right, something else that's actually pretty cool, and they're hashtagging this happy place, but uh, the Disney company, and if you go to the parks.disney.com, you can find this. They're setting this up as a camp contest. Uh, let me read exactly from the website. One grand prize winner and their guest will enjoy a once-in-a-lifetime four-day, three-night Walt Disney World experience package including round-trip airfare and accommodations. The winning guest will enjoy a unique one-night glamping experience at Pandora, the world of Avatar. Uh, basically, it's camping, but it's going to be a bit better. <laughs> I wonder if this will be similar to, you know, when you'd win the contest in the Haunted Mansion or with the anniversaries of the Haunted Mansion and they would live stream, uh, you know, some of what you're doing. So I wonder if, the, you know, in the night you, you, you get to have some kind of well, I guess it would be like Avatar-style Pandora experiences or something. They can have some fun stuff happen in the night, and they're going to live stream this whole thing. I kind of wonder. Uh, you're also going to get two four-day Magic Your Way tickets with park hopper options, including access to Disney VIP tour guides, which is also very cool. Uh, you're also going to get a $250 Disney gift card and one Memory Maker package, including unlimited Disney Photo Pass, service photos, and much more. Now, restrictions do apply. Now, this is kind of interesting. So, I, I, what this glamping is, it also says, Nestled in the Valley of Moara, a tent with all the comforts of the modern world awaits. So, it's not like hardcore camping. Experience a night glamping under the stars in a one-of-a-kind tent designed just for you. So, you do have a nice little setup. I'm sure they're going to have a way to keep you cool because otherwise it will be very, very hot. But you'll you'll get to see all the bioluminescent stuff going on throughout the night. You get to ride a banshee in the Navia River Journey with a VIP access. Uh, wow. Uh, curated experiences. So unique experiences and surprises along the way will show our winners that there's even more to love about Walt Disney World Resort. Bespoke drum ceremonies, uniquely catered dishes, a bioluminescent night hike, and a surprise guest will ensure a night filled to the brim with adventure. So, yes, lots of stuff going on. And I'm thinking this a lot of this is going to happen during your evening or night while you are glamping. Uh, in order to get involved in this, though, to enter, you need to log in to your Disney account. Okay? And uh, they also want you to only have one entry per person. Uh, you need to write up some sort of document on why you want to win the ultimate glamping experience. Okay? So you have to write something pretty good. 
I'm going to give it a shot. <laughs> but uh, you got to enter between June 8th and June 21st. So you've only, if, if you're just hearing about this now, which I'm, I'm kind of new to this, you've only got a week to get this from the time that I'm releasing this. And you have to be able to travel July 28th through July 31st. So, you know, I got to work it around my internships. I'm definitely going to make this work. I think that's probably going to be around a weekend. Uh, let me check my calendar. Yes, that is a weekend. So that works out nicely for me. Uh, you also have to be available to participate in a phone Skype interview on either July 9th or July 10th. Okay, so I guess they want to be able to talk to you and you know, about the experience and stuff like that and probably what you wrote. Uh, I, like I said, I'm going to try to enter this. I haven't been to the park since 2009. My wife has never been. She wants to go camping, and this won't quite be the same, but it'll be a similar experience. So I think she's going to enjoy this, and that might be my angle to, uh, <laughs> to write this paper on. Now, uh, there's some interesting things going on. Uh, we already talked before about the Walt Disney 21st Century Fox merger that Comcast... You know, the owners of Universal and NBC stepped up with a bigger offer and they've come across with an even larger offer. They're now at $65 billion all cash. Now, Disney is actually was looking at $52.4 billion entirely in stock. So... Now, they're saying they, they wanted to be able to settle and maybe, you know, they figured Sky Sky would be good enough for Comcast that they would probably make best of use of that. And so Disney was thinking, well, you know, we, we were willing to let that go. Maybe they'd like to purchase that. I'm not sure how this is going to go. July 10th is when the stockholders get to decide on what they want to do. So this is getting very interesting. I personally still think... Though Comcast really wants to get in there with Universal and get movie rights for X-Men, Fantastic Four, Deadpool, because they have some of those characters in their parks. And Universal, I believe, even still has the rights to a solo Hulk movie, even Namor. But they haven't done anything with those characters as of yet. I think they are still trying to develop something for Namor, but uh, hasn't really come around yet. Uh, so this, I mean, they definitely have some things that they're going to want. Personally, I still think I'd rather have Disney get that so they can bring these characters back into the Marvel Cinematic Universe, reboot some of the X-Men characters would be great, get the Fantastic Four out there, maybe do it right for the, with the third attempt. Uh, so this is getting interesting, and it's I don't know if Disney's going to come back with a counter offer or what's going on with this. This is just getting really, really, really intense. And we aren't going to know anything until July 10th when they have that meeting with the stockholders to look over the proposal to the Disney merger. Uh, and, wow, it's it's going to be a doozy. July 10th, that's coming up. Also, something else very interesting is Gal Gadot, or Godot, I'm still not sure how to say her name. She tweeted out a picture of herself in her Wonder Woman 1984 outfit armor. It's very similar. There's a few little differences. The colors look a little bit brighter. Looks cool. Looks very, very cool. Uh, I'm not sure exactly what else is going on, but I guess this is in production right now. The sequel to Wonder Woman is on its way, and I know it's not a Disney thing, but I bet you saw Wonder Woman, and I bet you enjoyed it. Something else, though, I want to definitely tell you about. Those of you that follow me on Facebook or even Twitter probably noticed that I... Uh, I guess we knew this was coming. I wasn't thinking about it, but yes, The Incredibles 
are at McDonald's. There are a there is a toy line there with a Happy Meal, or you can go in and I've I've bought one Happy Meal, and I have also just bought one figure myself. But the interesting thing is, I mentioned it out there through Twitter, like, oh hey, there's Incredibles toys at McDonald's. McDonald's actually took notes and replied to me and said, you got it. We'll see you soon. And uh, they did. <laughs> I did go. And I now have an Elastigirl and a Mr. Incredible figure. And I want to collect the rest of them. Uh, so it's kind of nifty to get noticed by a big company. Uh, hopefully they start retweeting if I put something else out there. I did uh, take a photo of myself with my Happy Meal box. So, but yes, get to McDonald's and grab some of these. This is really, really neat. Although my Mr. Incredible toy doesn't quite work. It's supposed to, he's supposed to pull his fist up and he breaks a rock. Uh, mine doesn't snap back, so it's not working, but that's okay. I didn't buy it to play with it. I, you know, I'm, di- I'm displaying these things, you know. So there we go. Go to McDonald's and get yourself some incredible little toys. Uh, I'm, you know, having fun collecting these things because uh, I'm a big fan, of course, of the original movie. Uh, but what is it that I thought about the second movie? Well, I, I guess it's time to talk about it. There'll be spectacle, there'll be fantasy, there'll be daring do and stuff like you would never see. Hey, a movie! Yeah, we're gonna be a movie! Starring everybody and me. Boy, I wish I were you people seeing this for the first time. Kermit, I got a great picture of the chicken! Oh, good! Okay, so my wife and I went this morning. Yeah, she's back in town. Uh, you're going to hear in the recording uh, that over the next few weeks of uh, how she was gone for a couple of weeks. But Pixie Heather went with me this morning, and we went to Incredibles 2. Now, I had voiced some concerns uh, that with the trailer, it seemed to have a lot of similarities to the first movie. And if you just take some of the basics here, uh, you have a family of supers. Being a superhero is illegal. One of them is going to go off solo when a millionaire of some sort and high-tech company comes along and offers them a chance to be a superhero again. The other one is left, of course, dealing with the family. There's some sort of family problems. The Violet, the daughter, is having a little bit of a, some sort of angst over something, usually, you know, regarding a teenage boy named Tony Rigerson or whatever. Uh, you know, that's that's kind of still a thing, but she'll have some sort of issue with things and lacking some confidence to just do something herself, kind of needing some parental guidance as she's entering, you know, in those those teenage years. It's very challenging. A lot of different things happens. And you have a one-dimensional son who's basically just loves doing fast and is excited and it's pretty much comic relief. Same movie. It really is the same movie. However, I will say you should go because it was a heck of a lot of fun. And yes, some of the major plot points are the same. They're just doing them differently. And I don't want to get into exactly how similar it is on some other aspects because I don't want to spoil anything. Although, granted, you're probably going to have things figured out 
pretty early on in the film. You're going to see it all coming. But the, the it was really just a lot of fun. You get to see kind of a bit of role reversal, as you expect, where Elastigirl is going off, and she's getting to be a superhero sponsored, of course, by a high-tech-style company uh, with, with the cause of trying to make superheroes legal again, which I thought we had accomplished at the end of the first movie because we see them all together as the Underminer comes up. But as the, the film begins with the Underminer uh, and their actions are not looked upon very well. And hey, you know, you guys, there was a lot of damage. And so things are not looking good for being a super at the beginning of the film. But they have the plan with Elastigirl and this company. They're going to try to make it legal. The idea apparently is perspective. They need, everybody needs to see everything from the perspective of the hero to instead of seeing the aftermath where maybe there's some destruction happened, you have to see how much destruction there would have been had the heroes not have tried to intervene. That sort of a thing. So they have that sort of mission. Uh, Bob Parr, as we saw, he really wasn't engaged very well as a father and so now he's learning this new way of he's trying to be more of an engaged father and be a better father to his kids because now he's left alone with the kids and things would be pretty good as he slowly learns his way around except for Jack Jack suddenly has shown to have powers and the incident where they really find out that he has powers is actually really 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 funny uh, I don't want to tell you what it is but it's I, I laughed I saw it coming it was so funny. It was a great moment. I thought they might have noticed Jack-Jack having powers when he took out Syndrome, but I guess they just didn't see it. They were really high up in the sky, and they didn't see any of that happen. So they're completely taken off guard when they see Jack-Jack's powers. And Jack-Jack really makes this movie. Uh, he actually has a little character development because as something I had wanted with a slightly older Jack-Jack, you do have a moment of him seeing what he's going to decide to do with his powers. And sometimes, you know, I thought he could have been you know, just throwing a little baby temper tantrum. And we do see something akin to that. But we also see him making some decisions of what he wants to do with his powers. He's a smart little baby. <laughs> really, you're going to see that. Uh, and Jack-Jack really made the movie for me. I just loved everything he did. Uh, Violet, of course, has another growth, growing things that she got to do. Uh, centered around what you see at the beginning of the movie where uh, Tony, after he's already asked her out... Uh, has a little bit of an incident that has to have his memory erased. I don't want to say what all happened, but so now he's forgotten he had a date and went a little too far with the memory erase. And that's pretty much leads to Violet's now growing pain of having to balance that she had a bit of a supers experience. And then, but she's trying to also be a normal teenage girl. Uh, I don't want to get into far there and spoil anything, but that is going to become an issue for her. And she's definitely going to have to make some choices of what she wants to do with her life. Uh, overall, though, I really enjoyed this. We have a great new villain, the Screen Slaver. And uh, this is one of the ones I think you're going to figure it out a little sooner than they expect you to. It's You, you, you pretty much get this. I mean, it's, yeah... But it's a very interesting character, so you don't know what exactly what the screen slaver's motives is. He has a bit of a speech that you're going to hear about how we're slaves to the screen, and he and when we're playing games online or whatever. Well, he doesn't say anything like that, but we're watching game shows instead of playing games is where he goes to because this is still has that 50s, 60s style vibe going on with the, the the film. So you don't have people on the internet, but you do have some crazy high tech gadgets. So. He's a, he comes across on that, but you'll kind of get what his true motives are as you as you kind of get into the film. You'll, you know, there's plenty of clues. I mean, the breadcrumbs are huge. Uh, but overall, great film. Had so much fun. 
I am looking forward to buying it and watching this again. This was worth the 15-year wait to get a sequel to The Incredibles, despite it being very similar to the original. It's almost like The Force Awakens felt a lot like it was a repeat of some of the original Star Wars movies, which still made it enjoyable. Except for this one, I think, did it just a little better. It's very much, yes, it feels like a repeat on some levels, but it's got a lot of new stuff in there, new ways of telling a similar story that was so much fun that I definitely recommend you go out because you're going to have a good time. It was funny. There was lots of great action, lots of good character development, lots of good family togetherness, you know, lots of good stuff in there. Uh, So, and that's really what I wanted, Uh, you know, and you will get by the end the same way you did in the first one, you will get the family working together again. And that really seems to be the emphasis is like, yes, we are a family of superheroes and we do things together. And that's really, to me, what The Incredibles should all be about. I was looking forward to an entire film of that, but I guess they needed a second film to really learn their lesson. Uh, But I did, of course see some trailers in front of this film, a lot of them that we talked about last week, but there's a couple of new trailers out there that we got to talk about in the trailer park. Mama, now the gator got in the house. Now the gator? Give me that sugar. Come here. Get him, Mama. Get that gator. The Neverland Trailer Park. Okay, before I get into an actual Disney trailer, we're going to go and find out that there is a prequel to the Transformers movies called Bumblebee. Let me tell you something. I drive but don't pick the car. Car pick the drive. It's a mystical bond between man and machine. It's a mystical bond between man and machine. out there who need you. This is why you're here, B. You know, B music can help you say what you're feeling. Try this. Now, some people are mildly excited because there's no Michael Bay involved. We're getting a little bit more to Generation 1 style uh, Bumblebee because he is 
uh, a Volkswagen Beetle. We see him as a Volkswagen Beetle. We also get a look at Starscream, and he looks more Generation 1 in style. But I guess this is going to be everything leading up to when Bumblebee was in that used car shop. There, we find him in the first Transformers movie because he's going to be there yet again, but he's going to be purchased by this woman. And so you have a E.T. slash short circuit, whatever relationship he develops, a friend, this human friend. John Cena shows up as some sort of military guy. Not sure what his angle is on all this. Uh, it would be interesting if he's playing the villain, but of course you get him to play a military guy. Now, the thing is, is... No one's supposed to have realized this stuff existed in the first movie, I think. It's been a while since I watched the first Transformers movie. So how they're going to have the excuse of Bumblebee versus Starscream happening in the world and nobody noticed. I, I, I don't I don't understand. Uh, so I am not really excited about this. I'm done with Transformers movies. I really am done. Even without Michael Bay, I just I, I don't think I can go through anymore. Uh, they're really, really trying hard, I think, to get some people more my age interested by going Generation 1 with this. And Bumblebee has definitely had some appeal uh, with some of the younger audiences. In fact, there's some animated series that has Bumblebee leading a team of Autobots. So I think they're leaning upon that. But I'm not interested, I gotta say. Okay, now if the music at the beginning of that trailer didn't tell you what this was, this is Dumbo. We've now had a teaser look at Tim Burton's Dumbo. And I had some fears, I will admit, and I've said it many times. I didn't want to see scary clowns or demented-looking circus or anything like that. Thankfully, that's not the case. Now, there is a little bit of a dark tone in some of the singing of Baby Mine that... Might be a little too dark, but the rest of the film, it looked you know, like it has the right coloring for when it should be sad, but also the, the, the circus is bright and has interesting lighting and looks really interesting. And, you know, you see Danny DeVito and you see Michael Keaton in there. Uh, I'm actually hopeful that I might like this because I adore the original Zumbo. Uh, so that would make me nervous trying to remake it as a live action. And I know it's not really going to resemble the animated very much at all because there's no Timothy Mouse. So I'm going to just have to 
suck it up and take a breath and okay they're going to present a similar story in a completely new way kind of like that peach dragon movie and i did enjoy that peach dragon movie in fact i have been hearing some rumors that the guy who uh brought us that peach dragon movie is going to perhaps work on a peter pan film which i am curious if i don't know how true this is i haven't heard anything official but uh, you know Sometimes reimagining these things, you can get a good good film out of. I will always love the original animated ones, though. Well, of course, Beach Dragon was a live action with an animated dragon originally. But, you know, sometimes these remakes have been pretty good, and I have enjoyed most of them. I don't know if I've liked them better than the classic animated, but that might be my nostalgia. I don't know. But I'm a little bit hopeful that this might actually be really good. So I think I'm definitely going to uh, check it out. Of course, I was going to see it so I could review it at least. But uh, I might actually enjoy the experience. Here comes Disney and beyond. All right, Neverlanders, this is where we dive into our continuing saga of story as the way Walt told it through movies. And, of course, we talked about the importance of story with Mr. Eric from the What If World, which hopefully by now you have checked out his show because it is an awful lot of fun. But we want to continue now and talk a little bit more of how Walt and even the Disney company continues today put stories into the theme parks and really created that whole genre of a good theme park with story in it. But I needed to find people who have been more than I have. And since Eric can't join us this week as he's having a good time in Denver. So if you're at the Denver convention, I hope you all said hello to Eric and also to Adrian Rapp. But we had to bring in a major Disneyland expert from Window to the Magic. Everybody knows Paul Barry, right? No, nobody's ever heard of me. <laughs> of course they haven't because you just walk around and listen to things. So That's right. <laughs> That's like the whole ghost. If you've never listened to Window to the Magic, imagine walking through Disneyland with binaural microphones in each ear and recording the audio, just walking through the parks, sometimes playing games called Where in the Park, so you figure out where you're going, uh, riding some of the attractions, seeing shows, hearing music. Paul takes you in. Well, every week if you're a subscriber, but every other week for the rest of us, but it's still a good time. And here recently, uh, you've been sharing some Walt Disney World audio because you had a trip down there how many months ago? Well, that was back in January. Wow. Has it, it was, been that long? Wow. Yep. Prior to that, it had been 11 years since I had been at Walt Disney World, so it was well overdue. <laughs> Definitely. So then also on the other side, now this is kind of different because you don't necessarily do a Disney show, but you're definitely a Disney fan. But from Techno Retro Dads, we have Jedi Schwa. Hello. Hello there. So we're Wonderful pulling to you, be here with you. We're pulling you out of your weird past and present and future Ready Player One world <laughs> to, because you're a huge <laughs> Disney fan. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Absolutely love them. Just uh, everything about it, especially the parks. Uh, my family and I have had fantastic memories over there uh, in in all the years I've had my kids and before that. So um, we just we just love it. 
And I don't know how else really to explain y'all's show, but basically, if you like my show, you'll like them, except for they don't do as much Disney. <laughs> except for you guys are really excited for the Tron ride. <laughs> oh, we're we're very excited for the Tron ride and Star Wars Galaxy's Edge and the new Marvel stuff mm-hmm. and the Pixar stuff. And uh, you know what? We are. Yeah. And and, you know, Techno Retro Dads is just a show where we uh, in, talk about the things that we grew up with. And how we uh, revisit those with our kids today and how things are rebooted and remade. And, and it's, we just sit around and enjoy stuff. We just have lots of fun. That's how you describe our show. Yep, yep pretty much so. If you like this show, you'll love theirs too. <laughs> They're just like us. It's beautiful. Uh, so, <laughs> so the main thing we want to get into is we've been talking about Walt Disney as a storyteller. Uh, and of course, through the movies. But the parks are just this fantastic story just sitting there where you're invited to be the star. And uh, I mean, I've only got one visit to Walt Disney World to my credit at this time. Uh, but I mean, the very first thing when you walk through the ticket booth, I bet most of you can tell us the very first thing. If when you're in a Magic Kingdom park, what are you going to see first? Oh, as soon as you walk through the... The, the little area where they greet you and they welcome you with the big flower Mickey Mouse head. Is that what you mean? Yes, big, giant, flowery Mickey Mouse head. And there's already you've already got story right there. I bet Paul knows exactly what I'm talking about. I thought you were talking about the security guards welcoming <laughs> you at the, uh, at the bag check area just outside. <laughs> well, as long as they don't put you in cuffs and haul you away, because that'd be a t- completely different story. <laughs> that it would be a completely different story. But yes, the first thing that uh, Walt presented you with as you walked into Disneyland, uh, and which was mimicked at the Magic Kingdom, was uh, basically a, a curtain, if you will, in front of his park uh, to where he welcomed you in. But you couldn't see what you were going to see quite yet. Mm-hmm. until you were inside and walked through the curtain and onto Main Street, USA. Now, right before that curtain, there's some significance to that Mickey head that you see there in the garden, because if you go and you watch the classic cartoons, it always started with a character's face. And when you walk in there, it's like, oh, look, here's the cartoon. You're about to step right into it, but it's like more than a cartoon, and you're going behind the curtain. And I love the look of when you look down Main Street, that it's it's specifically designed that you can look straight down Main Street and onto the castle. Oh, yeah, that the first time I was ever at Disneyland, that's the first park that I went to um, on a choir trip in high school. We got to perform there and that was the first time I, I was ever there, which is amazing because my first experience at Disneyland was actually behind the scenes backstage because they don't like to take you through the park when you're, you know, dressed for your performance, they take you around, right? So that was the first look I got at Disneyland. And then after we finished performing, what they did is they let us, you know, they let us have free reign of the park. We could just go wherever we want. Soon as I got that, it was a completely different experience for me. It was, it was, I'm, uh, this, this sounds cliche, but it really was magical. I mean, it, uh, it, it transported me to a world that, I don't live in, you know, just where everything is clean and perfect and happy. And um, even when the people, tourists around you may not be, um, you can still uh, have fun and feel good. And man, I mean, who wouldn't want that? (laughs) Paul, you remember your first time you ever saw the castle? 
Well, I don't remember the first time I ever saw the castle because that was in 1973 and I was six years old. Wow. Um, but, uh, but I do remember trips from my youth where I would walk into Disneyland. I always considered it to be similar to a, a warm hug as you walked into Disneyland and you were enveloped with everything that Walt and his Imagineers had created and it made you feel happy and safe and welcome and that was always a great feeling. Yeah, you've left the the world of today and entered the world of tomorrow, I believe it's the like I'm getting the plaque wrong. But yeah, you yesterday, st- tomorrow and fantasy. Yeah, because you are definitely in a whole new world. And I remember when I first walked in, and this was kind of funny because I had been wanting to go to one of the Disney parks since I had been a kid, and I didn't get to go until I was already in my 30s. And we came around, you know, that you know that curtain, of course, where the train station is sitting up on top of there in Walt Disney World, and came around that corner. And before we even got to Main Street, there was a crowd of people there, and we heard this music coming up. And it was the Celebrate a Dream Come True parade coming in before we even got a chance to look down Main Street. And so it was it was just ironic that I'm like, okay, yes, I've been dreaming of coming here. And now I'm finally walking through the gates and suddenly they're singing Celebrating a Dream Come True. And I was like, a dream really did just come true. And the, the song actually literally said that to me. And that, I mean, I had that experience before I even got a chance to look down and see that castle down at the end of Main Street, and I remember just, you know, it was just mind-blowing. Uh, like, like, there it is. You know, I'd seen photos, I'd seen all this stuff on TV, but to actually stand there. And then, of course, you have all these, um, there was a crane set up because they were setting up for the fireworks, which kind of took a little bit of the, uh, was a little bit of the value of the shot, but it made me wonder, like, what in the world's this? So I actually had to find out a little bit about some of the behind-the-scenes as I went along. One of the most magical things about that experience you just related is the fact that that exact story happens every single day mm-hmm. at a Disney park. Someone, many people, are going to Disneyland, Walt Disney World, or any of the other parks around the world. It's their very first time setting foot into a Disney park, and their dream of visiting is becoming a reality. And it really is magical. And that's those of us who have been there many, many times enjoy taking newbies to the park because we get to experience that wonder and awe once again through them. Yeah, and I'm looking forward to my because I haven't been to Disneyland yet. So I feel like it's going to be all over again for me to just walk in there. Except for next time, I'm bringing my wife with me so she can get the the sickness and understand why I started this show. (laughs) Because anything with Mickey Mouse on it now, I have to buy it. I can't stop myself, and she just doesn't understand why. But I figure once I get her into a park and she feels that, <laughs> it's done. She'll be in. It's I, like I do believe I did not know that you had never been to Disneyland. I don't know that we can be friends any longer. I know. I'm trying because I keep having to send Eric in my place, or we sent uh, Jesse when he was working with me, which he hasn't been on the show in a long time. We always have to send somebody else to Friends of the Magic, and I never get to go myself because I just never have the funds to get myself there. Yeah, we got to make that dream come true someday. I'm working on it. I was even, before the show started talking, I was talking to Schwann saying, you know what, I'm graduating finally with a bachelor's degree in December, and I have some job prospects. I'm going to get a good, solid-paying job, be able to put that money aside, and we're going. So you're going to be a professional bachelor now. (laughs) 
gosh, I hope not. Because <laughs> well, you have a bachelor's degree. Ah, well, I suppose that's true. I have a degree in bachelorhood, but I'm still not good at being by myself. Although hey. I've been by my myself now for two weeks, my wife is finally coming home from a teachers' conference. So yay! <laughs> but I what I love about Main Street is, and there, there's a story how it all comes to be, but it's. I, I don't know that it's any different in, in Walt Disney World or Disneyland, but the story there is that it's always in the 1930s, and it's always supposed to be the Fourth of July. Now, is anything? Because that's I think Disneyland. That's the main story, but in Walt Disney World, I don't think it's any different, is it? It's still supposed to be Fourth of July, 1930s. <clears throat> Feels a little different at uh, Christmas time and well, Halloween. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but other than that, yes, definitely, it feels like the 1930s. Yeah, I was going to say the 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 olden days uh, feel is definitely there. The constantly Fourth of July sounds a little more like old Pleasure Island with its uh, constantly New Year's Eve. Mm-hmm. Um, I've never heard that it was always uh, the Fourth of July there, but uh, but it is definitely a a, a bygone era, and oh, it yeah. is definitely uh, designed after towns uh, that have been around for quite a long time. Yeah, definitely had that old old town feel. Uh, the funny thing is, uh, have either of you gotten to visit Marceline, Missouri yet? No, no, I have not. See, but that, that's got to be one of your goals. Uh, I'm an, I'm now a frequent visitor, uh, but I when I went to Marceline, I was actually expecting it to look exactly like Main Street USA, and it doesn't. But yet, there's little hints of it, and you can still kind of get the feel of it, and it's still. You, you understand some of the magic of what it must have been, must have been like for a young Walt to, to see Main Street and when the whole town would get together and there would be a 4th of July or some celebration in town. And I, I've actually got a, a goal, I think, this year, if I can manage it, I want to go up there on the 4th of July and celebrate there on Main Street, there in Marceline, because they do have a whole thing at the park. Uh, so I'm like, you know, I want to I want to get that feeling of whatever Walt must have felt whenever they had that to where he wanted to capture that, uh, even though the look and feel of it is actually from another town in, in uh, Colorado. And it's not Fort Collins, is it? It is Fort Collins. Harper Goff designed it after his hometown uh, of uh, Fort Collins, Colorado. So if you go there, you're going to feel like you're on Main Street because a lot of the buildings are literally lifted from Fort Collins's Main hmm. Street and placed and, on Main Street at Disneyland. And there are parts of Fort Collins that do indeed feel still <clears throat> like Main Street. See, next time I go to Colorado, I got to go to Fort Collins now. Yes, you do. Because I, I don't think I, even as a kid, we used to go to Colorado all the time. And I know we've always went through Denver. We went to the Rocky Mountain National Park. I've got some family over on the other side in Grand Junction that last time I was in Colorado, we went there. But I don't know if I've been through Fort Collins, but now it's like a goal. I have to go. Although it would be another one of those trips that until I get my wife into a park, she's not going to get it. <laughs> well, make sure you visit Fort Collins on a non-peak day so that the admission price is less. <laughs> But boom! Oh my goodness! Uh, any other things that spring to mind? Oh, other than the the fun thing is how this is set up still as as theater is the windows there on Main Street where you have these credits of all these Disney legends are pretty much like the credits of a of a movie at the beginning. Uh, anybody have some favorites of uh, windows you like to visit? No, oh, I man. I- I, I've actually uh, been on Main Street when windows have been given away. Wow. And uh, so those those kind of 
stick in my mind a little more than than others but uh but no I, you know just just walking down main street and reading all of them some of them you need a telephoto lens to see but <laughs> but you know if you look at them they're very entertaining they're very well done and uh, definitely worth your time if you've never done it just uh, take some time and stroll down main street usa very slowly and look at each window Mm-hmm. Yeah, this is what I sometimes have a hard time convincing my family to do is uh, is just in enveloping yourself in the atmosphere of the whole place. Right. Like they're very anxious to get to the, the popular rides and attractions and things like that. And I just I just like being there and, and I just feel like I really am on Main Street in the, in the 30s and um, uh, the, the windows and the little details like that. Um, are definitely part of it because it feels much more like the, a town than say if you go to a you know a Six Flags or some other theme park like that where it's just you know wooden storefronts and they've slapped some paint on it and they're getting better than they used to you know they're putting more attention to detail like that because I'm I'm guessing because they see the success of places like Disneyland and Disney World but um, that's I just love the little tiny details it makes it feel so much more special. Yeah. And I'm gonna I'm gonna be just a little self-promotive here and suggest that you listen to Window to the Magic. Um, I've got about 600 episodes up there, and the entire idea behind the show is enveloping yourself. Literally, my tagline is "Surround yourself with the magic." And so, exactly what you're trying to get your family to do is. Uh-oh. Get them to listen to, you know, to some episodes and then find one that really resonates with you and share it with them. And they might actually be able to slow down and enjoy <laughs> the park rather than just running for the e-tickets. Yeah, absolutely. And I have listened to your show, so maybe, that, maybe that's why I feel that sense of, uh, you know, <laughs> enjoyment in the atmosphere. But... There you go. Yeah, and I know ne next time I'm, especially I think all these guys are at Walt Disney World. I've got a goal of a few windows I need to look for because I've got the, I'm holding right here in my hand. Uh, they had this uh, Club 55 uh, special thing at the Walt Disney Hometown Museum in Marceline back in 2016 as part of their speaker series. And uh, Sully, I can't remember his last name, but he just went by Sully. And then Tom Nab, or Navy, I think it's Nab, and Robert Penfield which I think he was the main one. I think he was the one who was actually a Club 55, so he's like an original Disneyland employee. But all three of them I got to meet, and I've got the ticket here signed by all three of them. And I actually want to go and find their windows. And plus, Floyd, no, Floyd Norman, though, I think his window is in Disneyland, isn't it? I think so, yes. I need to look for his as well. He's actually coming to this big gala they have up in Marceline. Uh, it's going to be in August. I'm going to try to get myself a ticket because Floyd Norman is going to be a keynote speaker. And even though I've seen the documentary and I've talked to the people who made it, I've never actually gotten to speak and meet him yet. So that is a goal. I want to meet Floyd Norman. So, which I'm going to try to have somebody on from the museum to talk about this gala event. They're raising money to rebuild the Midgetotopia. So if you can get to Marceline and do this, it's it's going to be awesome. Um, Are they still raising money to yeah. build that? Midget Autopia? Wow. And they're, they're making some good progress. They've done some stuff apparently to that park uh, nearby now. So it's coming along. It's it's coming. Good. And Yeehaw Bob is actually coming up for this event. And I've never gotten to hear Yeehaw Bob perform. So I'm excited. I want to go. Yeah. That'll be fun. Oh, yes. 
And so, you know it's going to be fun because it's a gala, not a gala. <laughs> yeah. I don't know if it has anything to do with being a Missourian or whatever, but I call it a gala. <laughs> <laughs> Just teasing you. Yeah, I have no idea if there's a different way to say it. Uh, but okay, so when we've gone down Main Street, we've experienced now a, a piece of Walt's childhood, especially with that train going by. Uh, and being a Marceline, every time a train goes by, I have that sense of wonder of like what it must have been like for Walt, except for it wouldn't have been a train that was checking by that fast, you know, because it's industrial stuff. But still, we know that's the same train track. But uh, we move through Main Street. I remember when I was at Walt Disney World, we hung a left into Adventureland. But at Disneyland, I guess if you hang a left, you're going to be somewhere else. Where would you be if you hang a left? You're going to be in Adventureland. Oh, Disneyland, same. Correct. Awesome. Okay. <laughs> And once again, so now Adventureland, you're invited into a whole new story. Uh, and it's kind of, it was a little convoluted because about any type of adventure story you can think of is sitting there in Adventureland. <laughs> I think the first thing I remember seeing was the Aladdin uh, flying carpets and the two camels that would spit. Uh, it's the very first thing I see. So you've got a little portion of Aladdin, but just a little further around was where the Jungle Cruise was placed. So it's very kind of interesting because you feel like you're a little bit in Agrabah, then all of a sudden you're in the jungle. And if you go another 10 feet, you're at Pirates of the Caribbean. It's it's just like a mishmash of things. Is that kind of how Disneyland is? No, not really. It's uh, it's kind of got the, the Adventureland bizarre feel all the way through it. Um, you get a little a little bit of a difference because you have the the tiki room right there at the entrance so you have the you know Tahitian area and then you go off into the into the jungles but uh, Indiana Jones and the temple of the forbidden eye is back there and uh, and everything is just kind of jungle related back there so it's very nice so it's pretty much visiting the jungle and having various adventures all in one area I think, uh, yeah, there might have been the first thing we actually did when we were there is we went up into the Swiss Family Robinson treehouse. Uh, so I don't know if the Tarzan treehouse is in it. I figure that's Adventureland, isn't it? It is, yes. We call it uh, the Swiss Family Stairmaster um, <laughs> because uh, when I was doing my, my walks a, a while back, we would use that as a stair stepper. And uh, so we would go up into that, but it was that was more trips up into that than I've taken in my entire life, I think, um, because we we always liked it, but it was such a hike to get up there that uh, that it was something we normally skipped, which is really too bad. Yeah, it's, that's the thing is that a lot of the sites in the Swiss Family Robinson Treehouse, I have still yet to watch that entire movie. Because I tried to read the book once, and it was like, anything that moves, let's shoot it. <laughs> and I was like, I don't understand this. It seems like the people who wrote this really had no idea about any animal life, and, uh, and it seemed pretty clueless. And then I tried to watch the movie, and it's it's so over the top with some of its cheese that I just kind of like get lost. Like, what? <laughs> I know my wife really likes that movie, but <laughs> I haven't been able to sit through it. Uh, so... As far as Adventureland goes, do you all have a favorite story that gets told to you while you're in there? Basically, I guess it would be an attraction or, or a show. What's your favorite story? Ooh, I have a hard time picking favorites of anything um, because I just like things for different reasons. But <laughs> I, we never miss 
the Jungle Cruise mm-hmm. uh, just because it's fun and silly and funny and um, because the uh, the captain, you know, the, <laughs> the driver of the boat is Skipper. the one. The skippers, right? Yeah, exactly. Skippers. That is, they're telling the story, and they're not—they're different every time, right? Because yeah. they tell these uh, goofy jokes, and and uh, it's a different person every time. So we, that's always fun. And then I personally love going in the tiki room. Um, just. I don't know. There's something about it that I, I just never want to miss it, even though it is the same every time. Um, I I just can't get enough of that one. It's just fun. Plus, on a hot day, it's nice and cool in there. Yeah. Were you a fan of under new management? Nah, not particularly, but um, I, it was still fun, though. And it was a little different take on it. So I always kind of like seeing things that are a little different, but I'm glad that it's uh, I'm glad it's back to the traditional one. I, I always... I have sort of of two minds when they change things like that that have been around for so long. On on one hand, that was kind of what Walt wanted. I feel like you know you just he, it was never finished and he always wanted to improve and change. But then on the other hand, there's such a nostalgic feel on some of those classic ones. It's almost like you could just really never get rid of them. Yeah. Well, they do keep changing the uh, the tiki room um, and and the country bears actually out there in Florida uh, because they keep cutting more and more out of them every year. Uh. Yeah, <laughs> I went out there in January and and listened to the tiki room and then immediately followed it by uh, by the country bears and it's it, it is just editor's nightmare in there. I was I can't I can't even sing along. I know the records. So I know the full shows from when they were first created, and I'm jumping around all over the place now. It's it's nerve wracking. Uh, and especially, I know you've got to have the Country Bears memorized completely. Oh, <laughs> big love for the Country Bears because that actually, for anyone who missed the episode, uh, Paul actually is an extra in the Country Bears movie. Yeah, yeah, I did that, and I'm actually friends with uh, Peter Renaday, who is the voice of Henry the Bear as well. So, which is awesome. Nice, uh, nice guy, very yeah. nice guy. Uh, but speaking of like Jungle Cruise skippers, so Shawa, you've you got any particular skipper that did something that kind of stood out for you? Um, not, uh, not. I don't know the one that stood out. I really like it when they. Uh, don't sound like they've been telling the same jokes over and over. Uh, you know, and they're always pretty fun, but there's some that are, they just have their timing down a little bit better, you know? Um, and uh, those are the ones that are more fun because it doesn't feel like <laughs> they're just doing their little rehearsed show that they've memorized. Yeah. I've actually kept audio from, I, I think it was an Inside the Magic that Ricky had where uh, this one skipper, as they were going into the tunnel in Walt Disney World, starts singing... There's no earthly way of knowing. <laughs> and I was like, that that is a perfect skipper improv right there. Absolutely. That is one of my favorites. And my favorite skipper bit is also from Walt Disney World, where it was a female skipper. And she told the first joke as we pulled away from the dock. And she started laughing as if she thought she was the funniest thing in the world <laughs> and she never stopped laughing through the whole ride and every joke she told she laughed more and more and it was infectious 
So we were by the time we got off the boat, we were our cheeks hurt because we had been smiling for the entire time, and that <laughs> that was really effective. Yeah, you know, the, the, that's one of the sad things when you have a wife who has never been to the parks and knows nothing of this. Uh, over Memorial Day weekend, we went up to the Omaha Zoo. We go up there like every five years for a celebration of our anniversary because uh, we went there on our honeymoon. And there's a couple things in this tropics area that they have where you go behind a waterfall. <laughs> so I went behind the waterfall and I turned on the camera and I got my wife to stand there. She's like, honey, you know what this is? what i said it's the eighth wonder of the world the backside of water and she's just looking at me like what are you talking about and i was like okay never mind you don't get it <laughs> so i thought maybe at some point i have played an audio for her of it but i guess maybe i have it and she had no idea and i even tried it there was another waterfall a little bit later that i tried to do the thing again it's like honey you know what this is right she's like the backside of water and i was like yeah you're great for the enthusiasm <laughs> So. Yep. So see what's going to happen is, is the next time or the first time she visits a Disney park, you're going to get her on the Jungle Cruise. You're yep. going to get to that part. They're going to call out the backside of water and everybody's going to applaud except her. And she's going to be sitting there going, oh, I get it now. <laughs> and then we start chanting O2H, O2H. Right. <laughs> That's all the stuff that I didn't know when I first rode the Jungle Cruise. <laughs> all the goofy things that were coming. It's, it's really fun that first time because you you have no idea what to expect. You're just like, oh, we're going to get on this and they're going to take us around on this little ride. That'll be fun. You have no idea the punniness that's coming at you. You so. have no earthly way of knowing. <laughs> exactly. So uh, do, do either of you know this, but... Um, the Jungle Cruise hasn't always been like that, obviously. You know, it, it started off a little more more serious for the most part. Um, did they make those changes to kind of modernize it and get people to uh, continue to ride it without, you know, losing it? Or was there a different reason? You know, I don't know for sure, but I do know that it changed early on and that it was based on guest feedback. Um, I, it was not uh, as popular as they wanted it to be. And those who uh, were making light of it and uh, that sort of thing were getting better reviews. Oh, and, okay. Uh, so that's, uh, that's, that's all I know. I don't know the specifics on it, but I know that it was early on and it was guest feedback driven. Interesting. Okay. And there's a lot of story even uh, even while you're in the queue, because uh, I remember seeing the uh, the sign that said that, that basically indicated that they had actually gotten some tiger cubs by accident, and they're trying to get rid of them. It's like, oh, free to a good home. And uh, there you can even hear on the radio. There's even stories of of various different cruises gone around. I think they even mentioned one gone missing. So even in the line, you're completely immersed in a story of this oh, adventure. Yes. I like, uh, so my, uh, I, I'm a fifth grade teacher and, um, I've based my classroom, the, the design of my classroom kind of on a Indiana Jones type theme. Awesome. Um, just because number one, it's, it's a uh, fairly easy things to acquire cheaply, you know, and, and, uh, also he was a teacher and it's, you know, I mean, you know, there's a lot of reasons I like, it. it's just kind of fun the biggest inspiration for that was the queue at jungle cruise and even on the first day of school when all the kids come in and and meet me for the first time and find a desk and sit down i have the queue music 
uh, playing in the background. I just, you know, pull it up on YouTube for the Jungle Cruise. And uh, um, that's that's kind of that's kind of just a fun little um, atmosphere setting, you know. <laughs> so yeah. I don't know. I, I really like the Jungle Cruise, um, every part of it, including the line. Alrighty, but uh, one quick more shout out though, because we have, of course, we want to thank everybody who came along here. With, of course, everybody, if if you listen to my show, I guarantee you've probably listened to Window to the Magic with Mr. Paul Barry. So make sure you go and find him. What is it? Uh, window to the Magic dot com, and you're everywhere. Yep, you can find me on at, at window to the Magic dot com. You can find me at WTTM on Twitter and WTTM podcast everywhere else, including Instagram, where I've just now started up uh, an Instagram account. Never had one before, and uh, so join me over there for daily pictures from throughout the wonderful world of Disney. Yeah, and I remember when I, I suddenly spotted it, 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 Instagram told me, hey, Window of the Magic now has a thing, or Paul Berry has a thing. I guess it was probably linked at your Facebook friend. And I was like, oh, look, Window to the Magic Instagram. So I was probably one of your first followers. So, yeah. I think you were, yes. Woohoo! I'm special. Uh, so, <laughs> and then so Jedi Schwa, uh, you can find him, of course, was part of the Techno Retro Dads. And how do we? I know your website. I every time I've checked it out to try to make sure I got the links proper from my website to yours. Uh, you guys really don't do much with your website, so that's probably not the best way to find you guys. Well, no, you know what? The best way to find us is probably over at RetroZap.com. You can find uh, our show descriptions, every show that we've done, and uh, all of the podcasts I do actually can be found at RetroZap.com. And you can find Techno Retro Dads on Facebook, Twitter, and uh, social media, you know, and we even have a a nice little discord channel where you can uh, go and it's a, it's like an old forums, you know, where everybody can just kind of interact with the podcast hosts and each other. And it's a lot of fun. Yep, I'm still trying to figure that Discord thing out. I've got a Discord account. I need to go and join your thing. Now that I think about it. Absolutely. So. Everybody is welcome, for sure. That's one of those things where uh, you can get there with an invitation. You can find that on the link on our Facebook page or on our Twitter account. Um, but you can also just search for us and find it that way, too. Awesome. I'm going to open up Discord and make sure I jump into that myself. Because uh, I'm, I'm trying to get good at it because they say Discord is actually works a little better than Skype sometimes. So uh, I'm trying to see if that is true. And I do like that it's connected to my phone so I can see what's happening in some gaming groups that I've joined. So Discord is great. And when you find groups that you can follow, like Techno Retro Dads, it's fun. And But some, when you were speaking of all these other shows you do, you do all like Scarlet Velocity. And basically, if you're watching shows on the CW, so a superhero show, Schwa's got a show about it. <laughs> <laughs> We have a we have a show on the Flash, Scarlet Velocity. You mentioned mm-hmm. uh, Green Justice, which is an Arrow podcast, and then we also have an Agents of Shield Case Files uh, podcast, which is a lot of fun to talk about because that show just gets better every season. Oh yeah, well I. <laughs> I kind of fell off of most of my shows, actually, than CW, because that, that crisis kind of early in the fall, the writing I didn't think was very good, and I got so busy with school that I was like, yeah, okay, we're, we're just going to move on. So I'm going to come back and watch it, because I missed out on Black Lightning, and I really want to check that out. Oh, so. they're all on Netflix now, so they're lots and lots of fun. I'm I'm just finishing up my second viewing of this season of Flash, and I'm kind of ready to go back and watch it again now that I know all the secrets. I want to check them out as I go. (laughs) So I need to come back, because I did enjoy those CW shows for the longest time. Just this season, I don't know, just didn't didn't click, although Arrow was getting better. But anyway, so yes, you can make sure you check them out at RetroZap.com. But once again, huge thanks for coming along with this. 
Absolutely. It was lots of fun, and anything you do with the Disney parks is fun, so uh, you can always count me in. Yep. Thank you very much for having me as well. I had a great time. Thank you for listening to the Neverland Podcast. We invite you back next week for more fun and adventure. Until then, remember to keep a pixie in your pocket. It's that young at heart, positive attitude that you can share with others. And remember to visit our website at NeverlandPodcast.com. There you can find links to our news page, our shop, our contact page, where you can easily send an email to podcast at NeverlandPodcast.com. You can also find our Neverlanders page, where you can find out how to become an official lost boy or pixie, because girls are too clever to get lost. Become a real Neverlander! Please feel free to leave us a voicemail at 816-226-6492. And be sure to follow us on Twitter at NeverlandPCast. And like our Neverland Podcast fan page on Facebook. We also have a group on Facebook for you to join. We also appreciate your support to keep the Neverland Podcast up and running. Visit Patreon.com slash NeverlandPodcast to donate to Keeping the Pixie Dust Alive. Copyright content featured on the Neverland podcast is copyright of their respective creators and used under fair use license. All original content is copyright of Blue Band Productions and a very special thanks to Yeehaw Bob Jackson at yeehawbob.com for our new ending music. God bless! Yeah! Hello everybody, this is Yeehaw Bob Jackson. Neverland Podcast, we love you. Neverland Podcast, we love you. Neverland Podcast, it's true. Neverland Podcast.